Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. It's what I love to do. That's why I get up in the morning. So today on the show, though, I'd like to welcome Devora Zak, CEO of Only Connect Consulting, best-selling author, and keynote speaker. Devora's book, Networking for People Who Hate Networking, was awarded by Forbes as the top networking book of 2019. Her most recent book, The Cactus and the Snowflake at Work, has earned top praise from industry leaders such as Ken Blanchard, the well-known motivational speaker and best-selling author. Devora's goal is to provide leadership and team programs, provide ways to successfully, successfully work with different personality types, can't wait to hear about this, and teach others how to grow in networking. Thanks for joining us today, Devora. Thanks for having me. It's great to finally, after so many attempts, that we are finally getting to have this conversation. That's right. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this question, it's always the first question I lead with, but it's super appropriate for you. How did we get connected? Uh, someone on your team sent me an email, I believe. Close. We did send you an email, but we actually um, got connected because of Lori Ames over at Finn Partners. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. So I, I believe that she does a lot of your media for you and media requests and stuff like that. So she's been a really great partner for the podcast and providing some excellent guests. So we're super excited to have you here because of them as well. And I, and I always ask that question because networking is so critical to job seekers and it, you need to do it before you need your network. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Awesome, awesome. So as a consultant, you provide various services that ultimately get people out of their comfort zones and lead to growth. What led you to this passion of yours? I have an unusual background. I have an MBA in organizational behavior and general management. I have a degree in communication, another one in psychology, and I'm a, a certified practitioner of something called neuro-linguistic programming, which is a cognitive science. So it all has come together in unexpected ways. And here we are talking about it right now. <laughs> I, I love that you um, are a practitioner of NLP because I'm actually considering going and getting certified in that. Is that something that you recommend to people? Not just to anyone, but from what I know about you, I think you would really enjoy it very much. I think so too. And I think that for me as a recruiter, when I'm working with candidates and even with clients, um, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like that that could be very beneficial with not only helping me to read them, but to help, what do they call them, the meta programs? help them, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. reprogram those meta programs that, you know, those stinking thinking like Zig Ziglar used to say um, when you're going into those interviews. Oh yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of depth to it. And we have the presuppositions and mm -hmm. the different types of motivators for different people. I think you'd really get a lot out of it. 
I think so too. What is one like NLP trick that job seekers could implement immediately to help them land that next interview? There's no such thing as failure, only feedback. So instead of getting demoralized, thinking I didn't get that job that I really wanted, that's just feedback for you. And how can you turn that into a way to understand better how to portray who you are, um, how to be authentic and, and get where you wanna go by understanding yourself a little bit better. I love that. There's no failure, only feedback. You know, it's so interesting. I just recently hired an um, executive assistant. I'm just like beside myself and I'm like, how did I do this without her, you know? And that was what <laughs> right. I told her because she'd never done this before. And I'm like, I would so much rather that you try to do something and fail than be scared to try. There's no failure with me. It's you're not going to fail. It's just you might have to do it again, but you're not going to fail. So don't be afraid of that. And she's like, nobody's ever talked to me that way before. And I'm like, that's kind of sad. <laughs> well, you're going to be a great leader for her. I hope so. I hope so for sure. So you've written three internationally released books, all translated into 45 languages, I believe. Um, you're award-winning. Actually, four. <laughs> oh, four. Okay. Yeah. I lose track myself. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, so your award-winning book, Networking for People Who Hate Networking, gives advice and tips to those who hate networking. What advice would you give to a job seeker that is trying to network in hopes of finding a job? First is to understand yourself, to, to get to know yourself as, as well as possible, and then um, be true to yourself when you're engaging with others. So a lot of people think we need to be someone we're not when we're networking, and it's really quite the opposite, to be sincere. And sometimes less is more in networking. If you uh, do a lot of research and prepare in advance, you might have to knock on a lot fewer doors than you might think, uh, virtually or literally. Uh, because you are focusing and targeting what you really want because you know what you really want because you've spent some time on understanding who you are. When do you think somebody should start networking? Well, like it or not, life is a networking opportunity. <laughs> That's good news and bad news, and it's the same news. So it's it's not so much when you start, but to re realize that uh, you could, any moment is potentially networking. That doesn't mean to be overwhelmed by it, but to, but networking doesn't just take place at networking events. It, it happens really anywhere and anytime. So to kind of think of it as just engaging with other people um, and how we define networking makes a big difference in how we uh, actually network depending on what other people might consider it to be. Absolutely. So one of the reasons um, I asked that question is because for me, I'm, I consider myself a late bloomer to networking. Now, once I found it, whoa, watch out because, you know, people call me the networking ninja, but I definitely did not recognize the value in my early career to networking. And now as, I mean, even just today, you know, I had a call from a client that I'd not worked with before that got referred to me from another client. I mean, it's all about that network, right? It's all about referrals. Um, and that wouldn't have happened if I wasn't putting myself out there and really, you know, learning to network and help and really, like you said, and I love what you said earlier about being, you know, authentic. And I think that is so true that, you know, it is my goal when I get to network that I show up the same every single time and that people will, you know, recognize that with me. Um, I think that's so important. And I think that 
um, when it comes to your job search, you know, there's what we call the hidden market, those jobs that never get posted that you're not going to find if you're not networking. Have you seen that? Yeah, and it's also about the depth of, of your connections, the value of your connections. Uh, there's this term uh, that a lot of people are familiar with called super connector. And a lot of times they correlate that with how many how many people do you have in your network. And I, that's one way to look at it. But another way to look at a super connector is someone who has really strong, deep connections that you're the one they call. Or when you call on them, they get back to you right away and you know about it. You know each other as human beings, not just as uh, a, a name that you collected at a conference that you have in a file somewhere. Oh, I think that is so important what you just said is forming those deep connections and not just, you know, collecting like like it's a collector's item or something because those are not the people that are going to remember you, right? If you don't take time to build those relationships after you make those connections, it's it's a useless exercise. That's right. And real networking is about building meaningful, mutually beneficial connections one person at a time. Mm. So, so true. Um, it's To me, um, I love to network. I mean, as soon as I get done here, I'm heading to a networking event that I'm super excited <laughs> about. Um, and I've been inviting people all day long. I'm like, you want to come with me? It's going to be fun. Come on. You know, um, <laughs> so we'll see what, how it turns out. I think we're going to have a pretty good crowd. Um, but it doesn't come that naturally for everybody. So what do you think um, makes it difficult for some people to do the networking? What makes it difficult is that people misinterpret what real networking is about. So a lot of people will automatically equate in their brains the idea of networking is um, constant contact, is more is more, uh, to get out there as much as possible. And that works for about 15% of the general population. And you may fall into that 15%. Um, however, for m many more people in the general population, uh, that makes them want to crash and burn. And, and it just makes them want to hide under a a plant when they get there and say that they're terrible at networking and they don't like it. When the reality is, is different people have different rules that work for them. So there's not one size fits all situation with networking. So if you're someone who's more introverted, for example, and I talk about this a lot in the book and I have a self-assessment in the networking for people who hate networking book about introversion, extroversion, um, and then one is not better or worse. It's understanding who you are and working with rather than fighting against your natural predisposition. So for you, you're energized by the idea of going, finishing this up and then going to a networking event that fills you with excitement and, and you kind of light up when you talk about it. And for other people, it has the opposite effect. So it's not saying I should be someone I'm not. It's saying, this is who I am. How do I work with that, my personality style and honor it uh, so that I can be as effective as possible. So for some people it's collecting, for other people it's connecting. Oh, I like that. And so if I'm an introvert and what what steps could I take so that I could get out of my comfort zone? Right. So one of the primary uh, distinctions of an introvert is that they think to talk. So you might say to yourself, if you're an introvert, oh, okay, so I think to talk. So therefore I can't be spontaneous at a networking event. So therefore I shouldn't go to networking events. That's not what I'm espousing at all. It's the opposite. It's if, if I say, I'm an introvert, so therefore it's just a fact. I think to talk. I'm never gonna change that. It's who I am. So because I believe that I, it's a fact that I think to talk, I'm gonna prepare in advance what I'm gonna talk about. I'm gonna th think of certain typical questions people ask. I'm gonna practice with someone. I'm gonna practice in front of a mirror. I'm gonna uh, practice answering the questions people are likely to ask about me that I might consider sort of private, but how can I answer them in a way that 
uh, is open to when I'm when I'm at an event. So it's working with that trait and, and not using it as an, as an excuse, but using it as a really a launching pad for success. If I'm, I also energize alone if I'm an introvert and extroverts energize with others. So then what am I going to do? I'm going to give myself little timeouts during a networking event and little downtime so that I can keep my energy up instead of saying, I can't leave for a split second. I might meet just that right person. Oh, so basically just giving yourself grace to be who you are. That's right. And, and I love what you said about the uh, introvert thinks to talk. Am I to assume that extroverts talk to think? Yes. So extroverts um, talk in order to know what they're thinking. They may not even know exactly what they think about something until they talk it through. Introverts have to really process, process, process in their brains until they know what they really think. That means that when an introvert says something, they're already bought into it. Whereas an extrovert says something to know what they really think about something. So we need to expect that from different people because people live life in really different ways. So if an introvert says something, they're, they're they really feel it strongly. And the extrovert's the opposite. They know if they think feel something strongly by having a conversation about it. Introverts also prefer um, one-on-one -on -one interactions in general, and extroverts prefer group interactions. So I'm, I'm giving some examples of the defining characteristics, but really what I want you to do is think of a continuum. So it's not that everyone's one or the other and, and you just pile up on one side of the continuum and other people pile up on the other side. It's more that there's some, most of us have something of both in us. It's just a matter of how strongly we identify with each of those temperaments. That, you know, I don't think anybody has ever explained introvert and extrovert to me quite like that. That's really fascinating because as you're talking, I'm sitting there thinking about people in my life that I interact with on a daily basis. I'm like, oh, that's so true. That's why, you know, like sometimes when I'll talk with my boss and I'll say something to him and, and I'm that person, like if I have a thought, it falls out of my mouth, right? Before <laughs> I, I even have, I have no filter. And it was so interesting because when I first started working with him, I would say something and he would sit there and he'd look up and I'm like, well, you know, what? But we've learned to communicate in our different communication styles. And I call him a, a passive thinker and I'm an active thinker, which just means I'm expressive or he's more reflective, right? Um, but it's, it's fascinating the way you said it. And even in my personal relationship, my boyfriend's a severe introvert. And what you said just made so much sense because he does not say anything unless he means it. So, well, I'll tell you one other key trait that you'll like, which is that introverts go deep, extroverts go wide. That means introverts have, prefer fewer, um, deeper relationships, interests, stimuli. Um, extroverts like a lot of action, a lot of people, a lot, a lot going on. So that's a pretty big difference. And uh, uh, something to remember is an extrovert when they're working, they get energized by interruptions. They like to be able to interrupt people and check in, and it keeps their blood flowing and keeps their energy up. Um, introverts are the opposite. So when an introvert's thinking, when you say, hey, how's it going? Uh, when they're maybe working on a proposal or a project, what they're really thinking is, it was going great until you asked me how it was going. <laughs> because they go deep into thought and they can lose that train of thought. It, uh, so just some fun stuff for you to think about. It's like you've been watching me. <laughs> some of my book reviewers say that it's like I've been following them around. <laughs> that is insane because I just truly like you've just described myself and my boyfriend. So in, in those two little sentences, because and I'm like, yeah, come on, let's go, you know, and I call it multitasking. I know nobody can really truly multitask, but 
I know that might be the book of mine that you forgot I wrote. So we have our networking for people who hate networking. And we have the cactus and snowflake, which you talked about. And we have the managing for people who hate managing. But one of my books is single tasking. So maybe you should read this one too. <laughs> I probably should because I know that I am not. What is it? Uh, Jack of all trades, master of none. That's my task. Uh, list. Yeah. Or I like to say you can do one thing well or two things poorly at any given time. Exactly. Exactly. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this some other time. Yeah. So let's talk about your book. Um, you, you wrote that book called The Cactus and Snowflake at Work, How the Logical mm -hmm. and Sensitive Can Thrive Side by Side, which I find fascinating. Can you describe these two types of personalities and give advice on how they can work together? Sure. So this is there's many different components of who we are. So we're just pulling out a few examples in these different uh, books. And this one, I, I call them cacti and snowflakes. And they're really based on uh, Carl Jung's personality typologies, uh, thinker and feeler. But I thought that didn't sound very interesting or fun, kind of dry thinker and feeler. So I renamed them cacti and snowflakes. And um, cacti are lead with their head. They're more logical, analytical, and direct. And snowflakes lead with their hearts. They're more sensitive, empathetic, and diplomatic. And this is a whole other exciting component of personality that I've had so much fun delving into. And they misunderstand each other a lot, and they often live in the same families, <laughs> in the same workplaces, and they're both just wonderful. They, they're motivated in different ways, and they experience the world completely differently from each other. So, okay, so the cactus leads with their heads. Tell me a little bit more about the snowflake. I'm trying to figure out which one I am, which I think I know. So just like with the, the um, introvert extrovert, I want you again to envision a continuum. Many people are somewhere along the middle or some not necessarily one extreme or the other. Um, in the book also, the cactus and snowflake at work has another self-assessment. So you can find out exactly where you are in the continuum. And so a snowflake is more sensitive, a more ethereal. Think of picturing a snowflake you know, into uniqueness and uh, things can really blow a snowflake one way or the other and things can really impact them, people's words or experiences. A cacti is more hardy, uh, sturdy, uh, more more prickly is, is, is some cacti will proudly set, describe themselves. Again, there's no better or worse aspect of this personality. It's just really understanding that people are living the same experiences as you in and having a completely different reaction. And it's not that one's incorrect. It's just that it literally happens, life happens differently to different people. There's a, a concept I introduced in this book, which I call the non-event. And very often we have misunderstandings um, between thinkers and feelers. One person uh, has an experience, like maybe we were in an elevator together and you didn't acknowledge me so that my event was that I was dissed and I was not, uh, you must not like me or you were mad at me or I can make up all kinds of stuff in my head. Um, for you, more likely than not, it was an absolute non-event. It wasn't that you have a different perception of what happened, it's that nothing really happened in your world. You just got in the elevator, you were lost in thought or reading an article and got off. There was no situation. And this idea of the non-event can really help us understand why people react so differently to so many different situations. You know, I really like that. And I'm going to start practicing that just a little bit more and looking at things as if it's a non-event. Because, I mean, you know how we are. We write scripts in our head, right? Just like you just said, that person in the elevator, they made up this whole dialogue about why the other person didn't say hello, right? When in reality, it was nothing. And I think so many times, especially in the workplace, 
things will escalate over non-events because people start trying to fill the gaps in their head and they make stuff up and it's totally not true. Right, and you'll love this corollary to the non-event. Um, it's an acronym that I've created for this new book and it's NAY, N-A-Y, and it stands for not about you. More often than not, when we're really worked up about something, 98% of the time, it's totally has not have anything to do with you. It's not about you at all. And just keeping that as a belief system can really shift the stories we tell ourselves in our head. I love that. I am so going to use that um, just because, and I think I'm pretty good, but it's taken me a long time to get to this point where it's, you know, my favorite saying is it's none of my business what other people think about me, you know, and I don't let people rent space in my head and talk trash to me. So I, I think that that nay is another great little tool that I could add to my tool belt to just further along with that growth. So thank you for that. I really appreciate that. Sure um, so how important is it to have the different kinds of personalities in a work environment? I mean, do you think it leads to greater success? Well, first of all, let's just start with the premise that if your work environment includes more than one person, it exists. The diversity in personality exists, so it's there. Um, and the, the way you phrased the question was, how important is it? I think uh, the way I would answer that is important to allow different personality styles to, to exist in the work environment that um, to not get caught up in, in what, what's right or who's right or um, which is better but to say the fact is we're going to have different personalities in our work environment and we're going to be a way more effective work environment um, because we acknowledge that accept it and work with work with our differences. It doesn't mean we all have to get along. It doesn't mean we have to connect with everybody. Uh, what it means is is understanding where people are coming from and creating systems. So, like Snowflake talked to me when I was writing this book and said, "What if I don't can't relate to someone else like a, a cactus? What if we just don't click?" And I said, "Well, that's okay. You, the, the goal is not to click with every person you meet." But the idea is, is to create systems of how you can mutually uh, be effective in the workplace. And by the way, I'm using, you, you can use different language and I call it cactus or snowflake language. So in that, it, I use different language for what motivates different personality styles. So a cactus would say, well, we'll be more productive. And a snowflake will say, we'll all get along better. <laughs> because gotcha. those are values that each of them hold. Very true, very true. And, you know, and I've worked in those places where people want you to conform to this, you act this way, you don't do that. And they really stifle the authenticity of, you know, the people that are in that office. And it's a miserable, toxic environment when people try to do that. But I've also, I'm very grateful to say even now that, you know, I work in an environment where creativity is encouraged, you know. Um, I'm a recruiter, but I was encouraged to go do a podcast for the company. That's pretty creative, you know? That's great. And they, they sure got that one right. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, and then there's those in the office that they're like, no way do I, I just want to sit at my desk. I want to pound out the calls. I just want to, you know, do my work. I don't want to do anything extra. And that's okay. We all have to support each other in whatever role it is that we want to play. And I think that sounds to me like that's what your book is about. That's a, that's a great summary. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So how can job seekers establish confidence in themselves in preparation for their job search? I know we kind of jumped all over the place, but really want to bring it back to the job seekers. So 
I would say, first of all, to, and I started off saying something similar to this when we first began our conversation, is to get to know yourself as well as possible and then accept yourself and then um, follow your instincts also. Uh, so sometimes we, we go to an event or we, we're at a job fair or looking for work and, and we think we know who the right people are. Mm -hmm. So one piece of advice I would give everyone out there is to assume you don't know who the right people are, to assume you, you never have any idea who the right people are. Um, but one thing I can guarantee is that if you're talking to someone and you decide that that person's not the right person, you won't be the right person to them because mm -hmm. we shut down when we think someone's not right. So to assume people are the right person and your job is to find out why. How come out of this whole event, this whole world, you're standing with this person instead of anyone else having this conversation? Your job is to learn why this must be a good, um, important conversation to have. It doesn't mean you have to stick with them for the whole evening or for the whole event or the rest of your life. It just means that in that five or 10 or 15 minute period, uh, just to be fully present for the person that you're engaging with. So that's one, one piece of advice I would give. And then if there's someone that you just hit it off with and it seems like it doesn't make sense, maybe they're just retired or they're in a completely different line of business or they live in a different country or there's just some reason why it doesn't seem practical that this would be a connection for you. Um, that doesn't matter. Don't try and always be too practical. Just um, if you feel a connection to someone, then keep that connection because you'll never you never know what what that means. That is so True. And I'm of the opinion, and I tell people this all the time, that if you think I need to meet someone, I probably need to meet them. You know, I, you don't have to ask me for permission to introduce people to me. If you think I need to meet them, introduce them. And I will have a conversation with anybody that asks for one because I'm in the business of you never know. And I have made some of the best friends doing that and off LinkedIn, mm -hmm. not even kidding. So mm -hmm. I, I think mm -hmm. there's a real, um, there's real power to saying yes to those conversations, even when you don't understand why you're saying yes. So that's right. That's right. That this has been such beautiful information. And I love, love, love what you're doing. And I appreciate the, um, um, so is the cactus and the snowflake, is it out now? Because when I, we first talked, it oh, wasn't yeah. out. Oh, right. We've been trying to connect for so long. I know. <laughs> yes. It's definitely out. Um, and it's doing great. And, uh, Wealth Management named it one of the top 10 business books of 2021. Very nice. So it's, uh, it's, I, it's a real crowd pleaser. There's something for everyone. <laughs> and all my books are fun to read, joke, good humor in them. They're uh, I, not tedious at all. They're really uh, page turners, I've been told. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, I've skimmed through yours. I'm sure as you know, I interview authors every single week and I try to read as many as I can. But I've gotten to the point where I'm having to just skim before I get the authors on the um, podcast, but I, I've been so blessed to be able to meet so many great authors like yourself and be able to experience your work, you know, firsthand from you, you know, I think that's so powerful. Um, okay. So before I let you go, I do have to ask you our three VIP questions. Are you ready? I'm ready as I'll ever be. Okay. <laughs> So if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? Well, I'll stick to things so I don't get in trouble if I name some people and not others and then they <laughs> watch this podcast. So uh, I would bring a big, the biggest blank book I could find and a pen that never runs out of ink because I love writing so much and I 
I just can't get by without having a chance to write. So those would be my one and two. And number three, let's say a rotary, all you can eat, never ending sushi bar. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty good, actually. I might have to go have sushi tonight now. <laughs> that is awesome. So you are so successful. And so what's one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? I am one of those people that actually love to go to the gym. <laughs> so I go to the gym and I love it. I have such a good time. I just, it's like a playground. <laughs> so that starts my day off right. I know it's hard to first people to relate to that. <laughs> I know. I'm sitting here going, okay, we're exact opposites there. That is not the first thing I want to do in the morning. <laughs> but I know some people that's really what, you know, gets them motivated for their day and movement is so important. So, um, okay, so my final question for you, if your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? It could be what uh, someone said about me from one of my first big job opportunities. And uh, he said that he went back and told his company I was high risk, high return. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe that was what the article would be called the, about me, high risk, high return. That is Because <laughs> awesome. I have such a background. So. <laughs> that is so awesome. I love that so much. Well, Devorah, how do people get in touch with you? How do they find your books? So you can find my books anywhere books are sold, including uh, online. Amazon gives them, often has sales for them. And you can just put in my name, Devorah, D-E-V-O-R-A, Zach, Z-A-C-K, or the names of any of my books, The Cactus and Snowflake at Work, uh, networking for people who hate networking, single tasking, your favorite, and <laughs> managing for people who hate managing. So you can do that. You can also visit my company website, myonlyconnect.com for more information about my, my work that I do with companies and keynotes. And uh, you can also look up uh, the website by uh, the name Cactus Snowflake. Oh, nice. That makes it easy right there. So yeah. Well, awesome. Well, this has been a real treat. I'm so glad we persisted and made this happen today. And I just have one last thing to say to you. You are a VIP. Oh, thanks. So are you. <laughs> and that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.